Welcome to Hillside Community Church's weekly podcast. We're glad that you've chosen to listen to this week's message and hope that it ministers to you today. Hillside's located in Keller, Texas, and if you would like to know more about us or to listen to previous recordings, please visit us at yourhillside.com. And now, this week's message. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you guys. It's good to be back with you. Uh, for those of you who I haven't met, I would love to be able to connect with you and meet you after the service. Uh, I know you guys have been going through the series on Psalms, and when Pete called me up and said, hey, would you be willing to come in and fly in and, and, and speak to this, to this series, I thought, what, what a great opportunity to just share God's heartbeat for us. So much of Psalms is David's heartbeat to God, saying, God, this is where I am. God, this is how I'm feeling. But every time David uh, shares his feelings, shares his fears, shares what's going on, it's always met with the character of God. And so I love the fact that that you guys have have, uh, coined the, the series Wrestling with God. If I could summarize, actually do me a favor, open up your Bibles to Psalm 27. That's, that's where we're going to be today. I'll tell you, and then I'll jump into my message. Uh, if I was to summarize what we're going to talk about today into a sentence, it would be this. When I wait on the Lord, I am living and walking in confidence of who God is based on the truth of his word. Let me say that again. When I wait on the Lord, I am living, walking in confidence of who God is based on the truth of his word. But here's the deal. I, I, I want to challenge us today not just to wait, but to wait well. None of us like to wait, do we? We, we don't like to wait for different things. We, we live in a society that, that loves the immediate we, we like the quick and easy, the click and download, the, the click and go. Just put it in my shopping bag, give it, get it to me in, a, in two days. Now there's one day delivery. Like how, how much faster we Cody and I were at Publix the other day and in the checkout counter, the guy's wearing a shirt that says, we deliver. I said, can you just take these to my house for me? He goes, no, you, that's not how it works. I said, listen, it says we deliver. I don't want to have to do any of the work. Can you just do it for me? He says, no, sir, that's not. I said, all right. I took all my stuff back. I didn't buy it. I said, I don't want it then. When we wait, we're, we're, we're looking for something, right? We're, we're either anxious for something or we're anticipating something. There's a million different ways that we can wait, but the two big polar opposites that I find in my life, and I think you probably find in your life, is we either wait in a place of fear or we wait in a place of confidence. Fear and confidence these are polar opposites. Fear. Fear is our natural response. It leads us to distrust God and to feel that we need to work out the situation in our own abilities, our own strength, or our own wisdom. And I don't know if that's where you are, but, but can, I, can I just be transparent today? There are so many times that I wait in fear. You know what fear brings about? It brings about anxiety. It brings me to a place of distrusting God. It brings me to a place of of questioning his goodness in my life. And given enough time, it will bring me to a place where I will feel abandoned and rejected by God. It feels like there's there's a sense of distance. Why? Because I'm I'm afraid of maybe of what's going to happen or what could happen or, or maybe God isn't strong enough to take care of this. And there are absolutely some scary situations that we face in life. 
And naturally, we look at things sometimes with a sense of fear. There's not enough time. There's not enough money. We didn't get to blank. Or, well, we'd love to do that. We just don't have. Or they won't. Or, or well, they will. Or, you know, whatever. We, we meet things so frequently with this sense and place of fear. What if I don't? Or what if I can't? Again, there's situations, and, and please, I'm not trying to make light of them. Because listen, I, I believe that even today, there's some of you that you are facing some scary situations. There's some things that are maybe coming around the bend, and it doesn't matter, let's just be transparent, it doesn't matter if it's one year or one day or four years. We all can fear those things that are coming around the bend, can't we? Maybe your kids going off to college, or maybe you going off to college. Maybe having that empty room in your house or facing an empty house. Having the loss of a job or loss of financial stability, a change of a job, the different pains in life, whether it be physical or mental or emotional. Loss of a loved one or the coming loss of a loved one. Divorce or struggles in your relationship. We face these different hurts. We look at these different situations in our life and and so many times we can be gripped by fear feeling rejection or ridicule, or just failing? Or what about this, the unknown? I just don't know what I'm going to face today. I don't know what's coming today. And, and, and we, we get paralyzed by these feelings of fear. And, and listen, we, we could sit down and we could all share all of what we fear most, and we'd probably find some solace in some friends. Oh, you, you fear what I fear. All right. Maybe we don't fear, feel so crazy if there's other people that fear what I fear. But also, I'm sure we'd be met with, wait, you're afraid of that? You, 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 sometimes we get afraid of sharing what we are fearful of because people will think that, oh, seriously, you're, you're afraid of that? <laughs> That's nothing compared to what I'm afraid of. But listen, it doesn't make it any less scary, does it? It doesn't make it any less nerve-wracking in our lives. It wouldn't matter how much time we sat down and talked about the fact that clowns are not scary. Some of you, I was tempted to show a picture of a clown, but I knew once I did that, I'd lose a number of you. There's a guy I work with, and I, and I talked to him, Ethan, they're, they're not scary. Clowns make balloon animals. Clowns make, he's like, clowns are not clowns, they're it, okay? And they will kill you. And they, want to, they smile on the outside, but they're death and knife on, knives on the inside. Listen, can I tell you how many times I'm tempted to just dress up like a clown and wait in a, in a closet and then like just, just step out. I didn't even need to jump out. Just wait for him in his office. Hi, Ethan. How you doing? Like, I don't do that because I'm afraid he will either punch me in the face or pee his pants. And that would just, well, that might make my work day or ruin my work day. But listen, it do, it, even if we talk about our fears, it sometimes doesn't lessen or dampen the weight that they hold. The Word of God has so much to say about fear, though. I don't know if you know this, but it's actually the, the most given command in the Word of God is not to fear or not to be afraid. God knew this, and so he had to tell it to us again and again and again. He knew that he needed to meet us right where we are, which for so many of us is a place of anxiety, is a place of fear. The other, the other pendulum swing is confidence, right? It's waiting in this place of assurance and, and even almost just rest. It's not being anxious about a situation. It's anticipating a situation. It's a sense of peace 
trusting that God is exactly who he says he is and he's going to do exactly what he said he's going to do. These things are polar opposites. And so if this is the struggle and, if, and if, if our natural response is one of fear, how do we get to a place of walking in confidence? Because I don't know about you, but I would much rather face my day with confidence. I would much rather face the thing that I fear with confidence rather than a place of fear. When you're afraid that a guy's going to walk out in the middle of your message and you don't know what he's going to do. Or you're afraid that if you walk out in the middle of a guy's message, he's going to say something about it. That's all extra, all right? No, that was planned. David comes to the end of Psalm 27, and, and as I was reading different commentators, all of them said, hey, this is the heartbeat of what David's trying to bring about. And he says this. I guess I have to turn this on. He says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. That's the heartbeat of the psalm. Wait on the Lord, but not just waiting. He says this, he says, wait well to rest in a place where I don't move, I don't take action, I don't fight, I don't argue, I just wait on God. Now this is not a passive, just sitting down, not doing anything, just twiddling my thumbs going, okay, I'm not going to move, I'm not going to breathe. No, you're obviously living life, but here's what he's saying. He's saying, you've got to come to this point in your life where we don't speak out of fear. I wait for what God tells me to say before I speak. Wouldn't that save us so much trouble in life? Wouldn't that save us so much heartache in life if I just was willing to go, God, I'm not going to step out the way that I want to. I'm not going to step out the way that I feel that I want to in my flesh. I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to find my strength. I'm going to find my courage. I'm not going to react on this person the way that I want to or the way that I feel is right to based on my circumstances and my opinion. I'm going to wait on you. How's your waiting? How's your waiting? Like we said, we don't like to wait. But here's the, here's the thing. We all have to wait for things in life. But do we wait well? Or do we find ourselves just rushing from one moment to the next moment to the next moment? No wonder why we don't feel a sense of stability and security. Because we're just going, 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 going. We don't let ourselves to rest But here's a key truth that I would love for us to cement in our brains. God works in his waiting. God works on us in the waiting. In fact, some of the biggest times that God works in our lives is when he asks us to wait. Think about David, okay? David, King David was one that wrote this psalm. And he gets to the, to the point of his life where he's anointed king. Now, when he's anointed king, there's another king in power. But it's not like God says, okay, I'm done with you. And actually, God literally looks at the previous king and says, I'm done with you, and I've got a new king. But he doesn't remove him from power. But he anoints David. And then David kind of goes through struggle after struggle after struggle after heartache after heartache. God could have easily said, nope, you're in charge. Move this guy, move this guy, boom, go. But he didn't. You know why? Because he needed to teach something to David. And so many times I think we see what God is doing. We know where God wants us to go and we just want to get there now. And God says, no, 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 no. I need you to wait on my timing. There's things that you fear with your children right now. And here's what I think God is asking you to do. Wait on his timing. 
There's, there's situations in your life that are coming up, and here's what I think God's asking you to do. God's asking you to wait on his timing. Because while you are waiting, you can rest assured he is working. He's developing things within you. He's developing things around you. David is one who was acquainted with sorrow and trouble and pain, fear and attack. And he uses this psalm to share, hey, this is what I've tried to build in my life. These are the principles and the practices that I've tried to develop in my life so that while I am waiting, I'm not waiting in fear. I'm waiting in anticipation and in confidence of who God is. And David was far from perfect. Again and again and again, we see that he struggled with this anxiety and fear, depression and discouragement. He was, he was attacked from about every side. And pretty much there are very few people in David's entire life that stuck, stuck next to him. And yet he seems to walk in confidence of who God is. His heart was so rooted in the truth of God's word that it almost seems that in the midst of his lowest lows, he seems to have this commanding confidence. And can I tell you, that frustrates me because I don't have that. That frustrates me because I want that. And so I, I started to say, okay, David, what was it? What was it that you did that, that helped you to have this just commanding confidence? How did you get there? I think he walks through some things, and I, I'd love to just kind of share with you, hey, this is what I've gleaned. Maybe you can put some of these practices in your life. The first thing that I notice he does this. He combats his fears with truth. Now, it's not that mind-blowing of, of a thing, but I think so many times we get so fixated on our fears that we neglect or we even reject what the truth is. Notice this, in the very beginning of the psalm, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Right from the very beginning, David's like, okay, let me just be honest. I've got fears. I, I do have fears. I do have things that I should dread. There are some scary things, but I'm going to command my thoughts with the truth. I'm going to combat my fears with the truth. What does he say? He says, God is light. What does light do for us? It gives direction. It gives guidance. It gives revelation. But more important than that, think about it this way. Fear dispels the anxieties that darkness brings. This is why, and we've all been there, right? You won't walk into a room even you know the room so well, it's probably your bedroom. But if the lights are off in the bedroom, you know if you don't turn on the lights, there are at least three serial killers in your bedroom. You know there is a clown waiting for you in the corner of your bedroom. Not only a clown, a snake clown, all right? It's waiting there, it's waiting right there. But you know, once you reach in and you get that, that's why some people have motion sensor, you know? Lights go on, oh, yep, nope, just like I thought, just like I left it, no serial killers, I'm good. Right? That, that's why some of us still sleep with nightlights. Now, I know you go, well, it's just so when I get up in the middle of the night, I don't trip over anything. I don't have to turn on the light. No, it's because you think that that pile of clothes in the corner is a serial killer that somehow snuck in past your security system and is waiting right there. We like light. Why? Because it shows us things as they are. And David says, you know what? In the midst of my fears, God, you're light. You help me look at the situation for what it really is. God, you help to dispel the anxiety in my life. Second of all, he says this. He says, God, you're my salvation. Now, a lot of times we look at that and we think, oh, salvation eternally. I've got a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and so eternally I'm saved. And, and yes, that, that is. But that word in Hebrew really literally talks about, God, you're my deliverance. 
You're my deliverance from the situation that I'm facing right now. Can we just stop and just remember God is to be our deliverance from the situation? Not my strength, not my wisdom, not my abilities, but what he wants to do in my life. Then he says this. He says, God, you are the defense. You're the stronghold. You're the fortified structure that, listen, it doesn't matter how much is, gonna, is attacking me and how much is coming, coming at me. God, I, when I remember and I place myself in this, in this position that, God, you are my defense, I know, I can trust, God, there ain't nothing getting in. Nothing's gonna come at me that you can't take care of, that you can't provide. But here's the thing. Notice, David doesn't just say, and I love, Steve brought this out when, when he talked about this as well. But I think it's important to go back over David says this, God, you're not just light and salvation and defense. God, you're my light. You're my salvation. You're my defense. You see, ladies and gentlemen, there is a vast world of difference between knowing about God and knowing God personally. How about you? Do you know a lot about God or do you know him personally? There is a world of difference in those two statements. He goes on and he says this. He says, when evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and they fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though a war rise against me, in spite of all this, I shall be confident. As we said, David was no stranger to people being against him. He was assaulted from the very beginning of his life. His brothers ridiculed him and rejected him. Goliath tried to destroy him and kill him. Saul, his king, the one that he was supposed to be able to look to as a leader to guide him, hunted him down and sought to kill him, sought to destroy him. His own people turned against him. His son turned against him and tried to kill him. His own wife rejected and ridiculed him. Even his own mighty men of valor, the men that David said, hey, you're my inner circle. You're, you're my guys that when I'm going through stuff, you're, I'm gonna, there was a time in his life that they sought to have mutiny against me. David was no stranger to things going against him. Can you identify with any of these? He says this, he says, when evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, to pick me apart. Now, I don't think David was fearing cannibalism, although I think you should fear cannibalism. That's, that's okay, okay? But here's, here's what most people say about that phrase. When people speak out lies that just cut you to the core, that just rip you apart, that just pick you apart, when people slander you and call out your character, and they're just coming at you and just, it's not death by a spear, it's death by a thousand slices, right? And you're just like, seriously, who else is going to take another piece out of me? He says this, he says, when my adversaries and my enemies, you just have those people in your life that you just feel like no matter what you do, they're against you. And you're like, I'm trying to make you happy. I'm trying to build a relationship with you. And you're like, they're like, nope, nope, I'm against you. And I'm gonna actively work against you. You have those people in your life? Don't stop looking at your spouse. You shouldn't be looking at your spouse right now. You shouldn't be listing off the names of your children. Although let's just be transparent. There are days, aren't there? You just feel like everything and everybody is against you. David even goes as far as to say this. He says, even if my whole life is surrounded in battle, 
Even if my life feels like a war, he actually goes on later and he says, even if my mother and my father reject me, even if my family rejects me and I'm all alone, we can all identify this. Even when we are young, heartache to heartache we stand. Love, what is it? It's a battlefield. Listen, you can get to those points in your life, and we all do it, where we place those people in our lives to protect us, but they fail us, don't they? Sometimes those people that we pull in closest turn around and stab us the deepest. And so David is trying to say, listen, it's got to come from something greater. It's got to come from somebody better. It's got to come from the Lord. He says, my heart will not fear. In spite of this, I will be confident. How? David faced his fears with truth. This was a pattern that he did whenever he was depressed or discouraged or afraid. He said, I'm going to cling to the truth of God's character. I'm going to cling to the truth of God's promises. I'm going to cling to the truth of God's example of, of what he did for me in the past. Can I launch you out on a couple different studies? If you don't know the character of God, go study the character of God. Go get a couple books that just study the attributes of God. Get to know that God is faithful. Why? Because when we face fears, we can say, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight my fear with the fact that you're faithful. God, I'm gonna fight my fears with the fact that you're immutable, that you never change. God, that you're sovereign. God, that you're loving and you're kind. Why? Because I've gotta look my fears in the eye and I gotta bring truth right to them. Because if I don't, in and of myself, I've got nothing. In and of myself, I've got weaknesses. Study the promises of God. Go out and get a book or, or even just go Google search. What are the promises of God? And take them and write them on a note card and, and find those ones that speak to those fears in your life and put them up in your, in your, in your mirror or, or put them like around. Don't put them in front of your speedometer because cops won't accept that, that I couldn't see the speedometer because I was studying the promises of God. But listen, put them in places that you know you're going to face those fears. Maybe some of you, you get up in the morning and you look at yourself in the mirror and that's when those fears start to hit you. And you just have those promises of God all around. You, you start to remember the, the example of God's faithfulness in the past. A number of years ago, my wife went out and she bought me a cedar box because I was going through a time in my life where I just was, I was doubting God. I was frustrated with God. I was looking around going, God, where are you? What are you doing? You're not doing what I think you should be doing right now. And she said, Kyle, you're forgetting the faithfulness of God. And so she bought me this box and I put letters in it. In fact, there's letters from people in this room that just encouraged me or loved me enough to, to say, Kyle, you're, you're wrong and, and this is where you're wrong, but this is how we love you and this is how you can get right. Tickets from ministry events I got to go to or, or pictures or different things. Why? Because there's sometimes, listen, let me be transparent. I got to go back to that box and pull it out and rehearse the faithfulness of God. Because everything else I see in my life is fear. Everything else I see in my life is failure. Everything else I see in my life is ending. And I have got to face my fears with truth. David knew that each of these things, the character, the promises, the example of God in the past, rang true to the heartbeat that God would never leave him. He knew the Old Testament promise found in, in, in Deuteronomy 31, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. And David had to cling to those promises. He had to cling to the truth of who God's character is. 
David saw that God protected him over and over. He delivered him again and again. Did this take pain away? No. Did this stop the fear in his life? No. Stuff still came against him, but he said, listen, I'm going to build a pattern in my life of when fear comes at me, I'm going to hold up the truth. Now, here's the thing. We've got to know the truth to be able to hold up the truth, right? And some of us, many of us, might need to take some time and say, God, I need, I need to like, know you, not just know about you. I need to put in my own time and my own study and my own heartbeat in this. See, knowing these things, that God was his light, his salvation, his defense, made it possible for David to wait well. Why? Because David knew that in the fight, he had the bigger guy on his side. And I don't know about you, but when I'm in a fight, I want the bigger guy on my side. I want the guy that's going to be able to take care of the situation on my side. I remember Pete saying again and again and again, when you're choosing teams, pick the guy who rose from the dead, right? Pick the guy that's got the strength to fight through the situation. And when I was thinking through this, I thought, you know what? I love this verse. Do not fear those who kill the body and are unable to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body. I want that guy on my team. I want that guy in my corner, because if there's not somebody that can destroy, can they hurt me? Sure. And does it hurt? Yeah. But I can trust in the one that's protecting my soul. I can rest in the one that's got my heart and can walk me through the situation. Frankly, you know what David does here? He sits down with his fears. He sits down with himself and he has a Bible study with him. You ever think about having a Bible study with your fears? Jesus did it. Jesus was in the desert. Satan comes out to attack him. What does Jesus do? Jesus literally sits down and has a Bible study with Satan. Okay, great. You want to tempt me with this? Let's have a Bible study. And what does it do? It silences Satan. I think sometimes we need to sit down and we need to have a Bible study with Satan. We need to have a Bible study with our fears and say, no, I'm going to cling to and stand on the truth of God's word. Why? Because so many times we're faced with the fact that we aren't good enough. We aren't strong enough. We aren't whatever enough. And here's the deal. The truth is we were never meant to be enough. We, never, we were never called to be enough. So let's cling to the one that said he would be enough. Know his character. Know his promises. Because those fears are going to come at us. But we've got to make the choice. Check this clip out. And I realize. He's trying to drown me. I'm thinking I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. I cannot believe this is how I'm gonna die. I can see my blood bubbling up, mixing with the sunlight, shining through the water. And I think, wow, that's really pretty. And everything slows down. I see his pincer through my shoulder. And I decide I don't want that in there anymore. So I pull it out. And he lets me go. And more than that, I can tell. It can't find me. 
doesn't even know where to look. And it dawned on me. Fear is not real. The only place that fear can exist is in our thoughts of the future. It is a product of our imagination, causing us to fear things that do not at present and may not ever exist. That is near insanity, Qatar. Now do not misunderstand me. Danger is very real, but fear is a choice. We are all telling ourselves a story. And that day mine changed. I, I love that line. We are all telling ourselves a story. Why? Because I'm going to choose to either live in that place of fear or I'm going to choose to live in that place of truth. And to choose which one is going to be in control of how I live my life. The second thing that I notice that David does here is he chooses to obey and seek the Lord. He says this. There you go. He says, one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold his be the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. David says, listen, he says, I'm going to make the choice that what I'm going to pursue after is, is God. I'm going to make that the chief desire of my life. We see this in David's life from a very early age. And then in the times in his life when, when, he, when he made his desire something else, when he made his choice to seek after or pursue after what he wanted or what he desired above what God desired, that's when the train fell off the tracks. That's when the wheels came off the, the car. And David here, he says, listen, I've got to remind myself, this is how I want to live. I'm going to choose to say, nope, I'm not going to fear. I'm going to choose to look at truth. I'm going to choose to then walk and live in that place of truth. The highest thing that I can desire, God, is to be in your presence as often as possible. To have a deep, rich relationship with God. You see, David understood that God wanted a deep relationship with him. And so he said, okay, God, instead of living in a place of fear, if you want a rich relationship with me, then okay, that's, then let's do it. Then that's what I desire the most. Now, David was not literally saying, I want to sleep and live in the temple. You see, the temple at that time was, was actually the tabernacle. It wasn't the, the big building. It would get torn down as the Israelites traveled, and, and then they, they, they rooted and they, they landed in this place. And David wanted to build a lasting structure, but at this time, it was still this tent. And so David understood, God, I'm, I can't be in a place that's not a permanent fixture, but God, I'm not talking about going to a place. I'm talking about dwelling with you wherever I go. God, I want to take your presence with me. Well, how beautiful of a situation that we carry the presence of God with us wherever we go. We get to live out exactly what David's desire was, to dwell with the Lord, to behold his beauty everywhere we go. David didn't ask for anything else. He didn't say, God, I want my enemies gone. 
He didn't say, God, I want my fears gone. He didn't say, God, give me riches or God, give me power so I don't have to worry about these things. He says, no, God, the chief desire of my life is that I would know you. That, God, I would be so dwelling with you that everything I do and everything I say comes from this place of constantly hearing from you. Where do you dwell? Again, I believe that we will either dwell in our fears or we will dwell in truth. And we have got to make the choice where we're going to dwell. See, this was not a once a week connection. This was not a here and there connection. This set the pathway and the direction of his days. This determined where he went and what he did and what he said. David showed that, that the desire of his heart was to, uh, to prioritize and please the Lord. Spurgeon says this, he says, desires are the seeds which must be sown in the soil of activity. You see, I think it's important that we have the desire to seek after God, but then here's my question. What do you do with that desire? David said, God, I want to be with you, God. I want to dwell with you. And so God said, okay, let's do it. David said, all right, let's walk in that way. It's great that you got a desire, but you got to put some feet to that desire. You see, some of you, like David, and, and, and God comes down here, he says, okay, David, you want to you dwell with me? Seek my face. And David says, okay, I'll seek your face. Now, here's what I believe. I believe with all my heart that God could have asked David to do anything, and David had put himself in a place that he was going to do exactly what God had called him to do. This wasn't a negotiation with David. This wasn't a partial obedience place with David. You see, we've got to come to the point where we understand that partial obedience is not obedience. Partial obedience isn't, isn't looking at God and saying, I love you. Partial obedience is really looking at me and saying, I love me. I'm going to do what I want to do, where and when and how I want to do it. Now, David came to this point. He said, God, he said, one thing I ask, I want to seek you. God says, okay, seek me. Put some feet to it, David. Dwell with me, meditate on me, learn of me. Go and study the scrolls, go and study the word. Enrich your life and your activity and what I'm calling you to do. You see, a heart that reflects God's will ought to reflect it in the same way that an echo reflects the voice that it gave. We ought to reflect exactly what God says. So whatever you ask me to do, God, wherever you ask me to go, that is where I'm going to go. Have you come to the point where you've realized that God's love language is obedience? God's love language is obedience. He says it again and again in his word. More than sacrifice and more than worship, I desire obedience. Why? Because our sacrifice and our worship ought to be an outflow, an expression of a life of obedience. That's what God's looking for. For us to come to a point and saying, okay, God, I'm going to be honest. Here's the fears I have. Here's the frustrations I have. But God, I'm going to live and dwell in your truth. And I'm going to choose to walk in that. To pursue after you exactly as you want me to do. And so God, you want me to seek your face? I'm going to do it. So listen, when, when, when we stand up here, when somebody stands up here and says, hey, listen, you need to get to know God's character. Don't just go, oh, that sounds good. Go get to know God's character. When somebody says, hey, you, you, you need to cling to the promises of God, go cling to them. Take the word that God has given you and live it out in example. Now, is God expecting perfection? No. 
Is God looking for blind obedience? No. He's looking for us to know him and to follow after his heartbeat. Beautiful thing is God isn't, you see some of us, and as I was sitting here, I'm going, man, but God, so many times I fail you. So many times I come to this place of, of making a mistake or not pursuing you and not pursuing you. Here's the beautiful thing. God's not in this place of going, if you don't make the right choice, I'm going to reject you. If you don't choose to do the right step, I'm done with you. What a beautiful God that we have that he doesn't reject us when we fail. He remains faithful. We can see through David's life again and again and again failure. We can see through David's life again and again choosing his desires, but he constantly brings himself back to this place of going, no God, I gotta seek your face. No God, I gotta seek your will. No God, I've got to do what you've called me to do. I heard this amazing speaker a couple days ago. You may have heard of him. His name is Cody Bland. He said this. He said, there is a life-altering difference between truly longing for God and merely hoping to associate with him with the wishes of being in his good graces. What a beautiful quote. Now, if he made it a couple characters shorter, it could have tweeted, but it doesn't, okay? But here's the deal. It's a beautiful idea of this. This is what David's saying. God, I don't want to just say I've got a desire for you. I want to actually follow after you. I'm not going to throw you a bone every once in a while just to keep you happy with me. No, God, I'm going to set the direction of my life to whatever you ask me to do, God, I'm going to do it. However you ask me to respond, God, I'm going to respond. So here's the deal. You want me to seek after you, God? I'm going to seek after you. You want me to know who you are, God? I'm going to know you. What is more audacious, to think that God will refuse to answer to us or to choose when God answers us to reject his answer? You see, again, we've got to come to this place where we realize this is not a negotiation. Obedience to God is not optional. We get it with the people that are under our care, right? We look at our kids and we like, did I stutter when I asked you to do what I asked you to do? I didn't stutter, did I? Did I lapse into Russian? No, we don't speak Russian in this house. I did. I asked you to do something. I expect you to go and what? Go and do it. But isn't it amazing that with the, with the God of all creation, it's like, okay, well, maybe, what if, okay, I know you want me to do this, but what if I do this instead? What if I do three of thises instead? Is that, will that work what you want? No. God says, listen, I want you to pursue after my heart in the way that I've called you to pursue after my heart. And so you know what David says? David says, teach me your ways, God. God, set me on a level path. God, help me to walk in the way that you want me to walk you see, true worship sinks your heart with what you're worshiping. And if your heart isn't seeking, sinking to God's, you and I may need to examine what we're worshiping. Lastly, David learned to wait well by confronting his feelings with faith. And this, for me, is where it gets tricky. Because there are too many times I can look at my fears and go, okay, Let's play this out. Maybe this is the worst case scenario. That probably won't happen. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do it. And I can battle my fears. Sometimes I, I, can, I can choose to go, okay, God, I'm going to study your word today. I can, and go, okay, I got a couple wins in my pocket. But I don't know about you, but there are sometimes my feelings are so distracting to me that even in the midst of a place of doing really, really well, it's like these feelings come along and I'm like, seriously, God? Where, where did this come from? Now, here's the amazing thing. David starts out and he says, okay, God, 
you're my light, you're my salvation, you're my hope. He says, God, the one thing I desire is to pursue after you. He says, God, you said seek my face and so I'm gonna seek my face. And then out of the blue, you know what he says? He says this, he goes, God, don't hide from me. It's like out of nowhere, David starts to go, but by my feelings, God, you know, I'm a little worried. And so many times our feelings become that damning force, that life-altering force that just shuts off what God wants to do in our lives. It's like you're going up in this way and, and, and everything's flowing and then boom, my feelings just shut it off. How about you? Is, is that the way that sometimes it works? David says, don't hide your face from me, God. Don't turn away from me. Don't be angry with me. Don't abandon me. Don't forsake me, God. See, there's something refreshing and honest about bringing our fears to God. We have to come to this place where we, we involve our feelings after we've examined the truth of God's word and after we make the choice to live by it. God has given us these emotions, but they should never supersede what God has called us to do. We never should confuse God's heartbeat for us. You know what I do sometimes? I stand in this place of silence and I feel like God's abandoned me. I stand in this place sometimes of calling out to God and saying, God, do something, and then he doesn't answer right away, or I choose to not listen to what he answers, and I'm unwilling to wait because we all don't like the awkward silence, do we? We like to fill that silence with noise or with busyness, convincing ourselves that if I'm busy, I'm godly. And sometimes God says, no, silence is okay. We should never confuse the silence of God as rejection. We should never confuse the inactivity of God as inability with God. We have got to come to this point where we say this. We say, God, listen, in times of feeling abandoned and alone, the question is not proximity to God, it's my awareness of God. And I've got to go back to that place of truth and back to that place of truth and back to that place of truth. David says this. He says, God, you've been my help before. You'll be my help again. Earlier on, he says, he says these statements of faith. He says, God, you will conceal me. God, in those times of trouble, you will lift me up. You will hide me. And you know what we've got to do? We've got to look at our feelings and say, no, I'm going to walk out in faith. I'm going to combat my fears with truth. I'm going to combat my feelings with faith and allow God to be in control of what he's doing. David, David closes or gets to the close saying this. He says, I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Not just someday when I die, but in my life now. God, I trust that I'm going to see your goodness now. God, I know that I feel like I need to fight for these things. I need to, to, to say these things to these people to fight for my wants, but I'm going to choose to wait on you. God, I know it feels like I need to take this situation under my control and do what I want to do, but God, I'm going to wait on you. God, I know it feels like I need to argue with my spouse or let my spouse have it or let my kids have it, but God, I'm going to wait on you. A section of scripture that I would love for you to study as I've been trying to study is this. 
Philippians 4, I believe it's the perfect anecdote to our fears and to our, to our feelings. He says this, he says, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I don't know about you, but I can't rejoice in something I'm afraid of. I can't. I'd love to, but I can't. And so if I'm going to choose to live in truth, I can rejoice in truth. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He says, the Lord is near. He says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Notice Paul doesn't say, it's sinful for you to be anxious. It's sinful for you to be afraid. He doesn't say it. He says, hey, when you're anxious, bring it to God. Cast your cares on him. But there's a, I love this word in there. He says, by prayer and supplication and with, what does it say? With thanksgiving. God, I'm going to choose to change the script and I'm gonna say, God, I'm thankful for this thing in my life because you've allowed it and if you've allowed it, God, I can trust you with it. And the God of all peace, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds. That's what I want. Man, God, I feel like everything's out of control. He goes, no, 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 no. Let me guard it. Let me bring it in. Let me protect you. Let me direct you. You say, God, I don't know where you're going. He says, you know, it's not important where you, if you know where I'm going, you just know who you're following. That's what we gotta do. Then he closes with this. He says, wait for the Lord. Find your strength. Find your courage. Find your confidence in him. Yes, wait for the Lord. When I wait on the Lord, I'm living and walking in confidence based on who God is, based on the truth of his word, and I can wait well. Lord, I I thank you so much for how much you love us. I thank you for these times that we're afraid. I thank you for these times of situations that come at us. And God, we don't want to wait in fear. We don't want to wait in failure. God, I don't want to listen to my feelings anymore. I want to walk in faith. I want to walk in truth. And so God, today and tomorrow and later today and then later, later today, God, we make the choice to dwell with you. God, we make the choice to wait on you. God, teach us. Teach us your word. Teach us your ways. We want to wait on you. In Jesus' name, amen.